0: So, I wanted to share a little bit on what do we actually take to the nations? Because it's one thing hearing about it and seeing all these people and having the amazing teaching that we've had, but what do we, what do we actually take when we go to the nations? So, we're, we're, first of all, we must remember that we're a people on a journey. We're, we're not meeting here for church. We're not coming to church this morning, visiting a service. I know I have some visitors here, but also for you guys, We're a people on a journey, and one of the values that we have is to fellowship together and to sit under teaching and doctrine. Those are values, but before the values, we're a people that God has added together through His Son, and we're on a journey. It means we're going somewhere together. We're going somewhere. And where we're going is we're going into the nations. That is the Great Commission, to take the gospel, to take Jesus into nations, to people that haven't heard or do not know him, and into other communities, other people on a journey who may have got stuck on the journey, or who may be all on their own on the journey, which is also not God's plan. And so the Swedish guys, they're all on their own. They don't have any partnerships until now, all on their own, and it's really, really difficult. Okay, so firstly, we find out what our values are that we take to the nations by seeing what values our king has. So we serve a king, his name is Jesus, right? And uh, every king has a kingdom. He can't just be a, he's not just a king in some far off eternal cosmic place. Well, it is cosmic and eternal, but it's actually a king ruling a kingdom. And that kingdom has come in us. And we can't hold it in. Our, Our great purpose for being alive is that his kingdom comes through us, in us, Wonderful, but we, we don't just get to lie on the beach and enjoy our salvation or enjoy the fact that we know the king and we're eternally saved. We have this great news, but the kingdom has to come through us. That's the nature of the king. That's the nature of his kingdom. It ad, it advances, and it's an eternal kingdom. It's not just a kingdom for now. It's a kingdom that goes on and on and on, okay? So just to recap I know that we know this, but who else believes with me that there are people all over the world looking for the real thing, the authentic kingdom, yeah? All over the world. Why did so many come to Cape Town and give up so much and travel way further than some of us? What's in that? It's dedication. What, you know why? Because where they come from in the world, there's a desperation for the real thing, most places, including here but in some places more so than other places because the real is, there's counterfeit, there's been abuse of power, there's a church that's grown lukewarm and there's fake everywhere and the authentic is needed in our generation more than any generation perhaps. <laughs> there's a lot of copycats, there's a lot of fake and so I want to talk out of 2 Corinthians 5, 20. 2 Corinthians five verse twenty very quickly. I'm actually going to read seventeen, verse seventeen to twenty one, and I'm going to go two Corinthians five, seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, okay, the new creation has come. The kingdom does that. The kingdom has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus. And then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay? So we were not just left in the sand dunes enjoying the king. We are now given a mission and a purpose to go and help others be reconciled to the one that reconciled us to the Father. See? Verse 19, sorry, verse 20. uh, And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. And then God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, Jesus, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So I don't know if you guys remember your experience. When you became a born-again Christian, when you met the Lord, he started to change your values. Values begin to change because there's a new kingdom. You're now an ambassador for him. We're now, you're not an ambassador for your company, your earthly family. Now, I often think of my earthly family about a legacy and how some families have a strong legacy, you know, like where grandparents come from. And it's a wonderful thing. Like sometimes you can enjoy that heritage, if you like. I think it was Heritage Day. I was thinking about it last month. Like heritage in our country. A lot of people really celebrate their heritage and they know about it. And then some guys just have a bra. And others say, but like you're just braying, and you can do that any day. Like, what's your heritage? What's your culture? And to a degree, I, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite nice to have a bit of that going on. But actually, I realise that value is not a high value for me. And I ask myself why. Actually, it's because I have a new value. It's a kingdom heritage. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Not to say I can respect what I've come from. I can respect my background, my Grant. But actually, what does it matter? It ends. Quite soon, actually. And then what? Most of us would be forgotten in this life and on the earth. You know? The legacy of the king and the kingdom, that is the one that goes on and on forever. So some desires changed immediately for me. And uh, I just shared the other night at the Alpha Course with my good friend Wesley, Wesley and Lindsay. He uh, was saved with me and Taryn. And we were all three baptized together. Uh, Wesley, my best mate, and Taryn and I. And he's never shared his testimony in all these years. And he did at his Alpha course on Thursday night. And he did so well. And he got up a whole lot of pictures of him and I throughout life. And he invited me to come and join. And there was our class one photograph with the two of us. We didn't know each other. He's up there and I'm sitting down here. And we didn't know each other. And then through teenage years, we would meet up and we would, we would be very unsaved in the things that we did in our teenage years. And uh, God had a plan. He saved us, he baptized us into him, and he set us on course. We both got married within two, three years of of knowing the Lord, which was a miracle in itself. He was my best man, and I was his best man. And uh, we realized our values changed immediately. And one of the things we said to all these people, I didn't know anyone in the room, said, you know, we had these friends that suddenly we couldn't be friends with. We loved them. But we couldn't do the things that they did anymore. Our values changed. We didn't we want to go out nightclubbing and drinking. and I, we just like Suddenly I saw people who had Christ in them, and I wanted to be friends with them, and I knew nothing about them, and they were very, very different to us. And you can't do that. That's a kingdom that's coming, and, and he's changing the very values that we have inside of us. And uh, he begins to put some new values in us. So one of them is, Fellowship. Have I mean, you ever heard of the word fellowship before? Be, before you know the Lord, fellowship of the rings. Maybe Lord of the Rings. You've seen it. It's about all I knew. But fellowship. What is that? It's like a. It's a bit of a clunky word. It's. It's not friendship because it's deeper. It's like I have fellowship with the people of God. It is a deep connection that I actually can't do without. It's not just hey, I have got a new group of friends. It's like I need fellowship. You need fellowship. It's a value that. God has given us in his kingdom, okay? Devotion is another value. So these are some of the things we take to the nations when we go as a people on a journey. We go with a set of values, okay? We talk about devotion and fellowship. We talk about doctrine, which is theology and uh, the study of God's word and, and understanding things correctly. Uh, this is a deep value that we take this into the nations because there's a lot of things out there that... um a lot of doctrines out there that are, are, are not aligned with God's word and his heart. Another value is counting the cost. When we go to the nations, when we travel, when we journey together, we uh, we count the cost. When you travel, when we live in uh, little rooms or on floors of people's house, there's a counting of cost. When we leave families behind, when people travel, there's a counting of the cost because Jesus paid the highest price. And the cost... That he paid, and what the father paid by sending his son was a greater cost, isn't it? You think about Jesus going to the cross. How many times he could have given up, but he persevered and he endured so much. I'm like, Lord, sometimes you can just look at that story in history and think, oh well, he was graced for it. He had a mission; it was his thing to do. But I want to ask you: Have you ever? Has anyone ever seen? us not here. Anyone seen? Uh, Somebody sweat blood before. I've never seen it. I don't know if the doctors have, but you can medically sweat blood. I've never seen it. Anyone seen it? So we've been in some stressful situations and seen some people in distress, but no one here has ever seen blood coming out, right? Jesus sweated blood. So that was a huge cost. I'm like, if we look at him, what is the cost that we, how can we compare the cost? He calls us to do great things for him. eh? Counting the cost, also our finances. I find that the value of our finances changes radically when we come into the kingdom. We follow the king. So i want to ask like two questions of us um, before I jump into just three points, when I'm going to end with three points. Is that everything, is everything that we have, does everything that we have, everything, belong to Jesus? I think that's the question that he's asking of us because if we're going to step into more of what he has, if we're going to affect Nations, and I don't only only talk about nations in partnership with us, but new nations potentially, and also the nations of the suburbs that he's given us. There are nations between here and Kemp Spear living in our nation that haven't met the king, where the kingdom hasn't advanced yet. We've got little tentacles here and there, but man, there's so much for us to step into. But here's the question. Is everything that we have truly and utterly Jesus is. If He had to say, "I want you to drop that, give up that, move on from that, lay down that," I say no to that. Will we say, "Jesus, yes, I'm yours"? We, if you're if you're a family member, my family is yours. Louis said, "Our finances are yours, Lord." It's us. We belong to you fully, because that's what He wants. That's what that's what when we take that value into the nations, it it turns communities around because they see something. That looks just like the king. And here's how we know if the kingdom is still first in our life: we feel it hurt sometimes. And if we're not feeling like, "Oh, this is this is costly. This is hurting," we're probably not advancing the kingdom. So we ask ourselves, "Wow, when last did it hurt? When last did it hurt to to uh, listen to a leader?" One of your community leaders carrying authority in the house asks you to do something, to be at something, or to just, it hurts a little bit because I'm I'm, I'm living in a family and I don't always get to just live for myself and do my own thing. It will hurt, it should hurt, and probably should be quite regular actually, because the tighter you are in a family, the more it's going to grind, you know? You're going to try to go live with your family again for a few weeks. It's like all the different habits and mom and dad, and it's like, it's painful because it's, you're in a different house and people are rubbing each other up. Good thing to rub each other up for the glory of God, not just because you want to be nasty or irritate, but it's a good thing to, as iron sharpens iron, it's a healthy way that God chooses to mature us and to grow us. Eh? I'm still in 2 Corinthians, is that right? you only one other scripture. Still 2 Corinthians. Um, chapter 10 this time, verse 5. So chapter 10, verse 5. I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read a little bit more than verse five from, from the beginning. So Paul writing to the church, Corinth, right from the start. I'll go from verse one by the humility and gentleness of Christ. I want to say this is like an appeal, chapter 10 of Paul, to the church, saying that he was actually telling the church about his authority in the Lord and why they should listen to him. And he was bringing some correction. It was a, it's actually a beautiful chapter. And he says this, By the humility and the gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid, in inverted commas, when face to face with you, but bold, in inverted commas, towards you when I'm away. I find that such an interesting um, verse. And he says in verse 2, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be, towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And then verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's the bit I want us to underline. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And then we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience, the church, is complete. So I wanted to pick up on that, taking every thought captive. Because this is also a value that we need to take into the nations. But we're a people on the journey, remember, from the start. We're on a journey that we need to be those that learn how to take our thoughts captive. Otherwise, our journey will be one of going around in a circle and not a journey of over the mountains and through the barriers to take what the Lord has for us into other communities. We have to be those that learn how to apply spiritual warfare. We need to be able to apply. Now, I asked Maurice, I saw Maurice Nader reminded me, um, before the conference, he said something really profound, as Maurice does. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> it's true, though. Um, I was like, I listened. Because you can think of, like, beyond this amazing time that we have with all our family around the world. And you go, so what do we do next? The vision, the excitement, the uh, everything. And Marius said the most important thing is how we apply what we hear and what the Lord says. Because if we don't apply it, we become unfaithful before the Lord. And we can start hearing teachings and being impacted by preachers, and we never actually apply something. I mean, how many, those teachings were phenomenal, guys. It's like stronger and more powerful every time we gather. You go like, Jesus, this can only be, You working through that man or that woman or that worship team. And that, this is incredible. And then if you ask me now, what were the teachings? I have to scratch my head really hard. I've checked my phone on my notes. Oh, yeah, that. Because so much came through. How do we, we have to apply. We have to apply. And I think one of the key things for me coming out is that we would learn to apply how we take our thoughts captive. That we would be those that have kingdom values running through us. And out of us, so we truly go and impact the nations. Ryan Kingsley asked me one word. We planted this congregation uh, through Ryan's leadership and authority. Asked me this before the conference. So where, Neil, so where is Greenpoint going? And my first thought was like, a little update on Greenpoint would be awesome to have, but it's not an update on us. Where we going meant this. Where we going? Outside of ourselves. Because that's what God is doing, and you surely can't be just thinking about you. We have to get off of ourselves. It's the nations. This is the clarion call of the Lord right now. So my answer was well, mind you, Ryan, we are going. <laughs> There's a few of us that are going to be in the nations. Morris was up the West Coast. I think he just arrived back this morning. Helping a church that's in 412 with Mark Dofe, a teaching gift that was here with us. Helping into a community that actually Morris was born in and comes from, Fred, Fred and Dell, up the West Coast. He's just come back from helping to train some potential new leaders and elders in that household. Mark and Gideon are in Brazil, I think now, as we speak. They're probably there already. And so we have this great opportunity. But until we can kill some of these things that I'm going to share next, we're going to struggle to see what God has for us. And here's some thoughts that I believe we need to take captive. I'm just going to list seven. And so these come up all the time. But these are the thoughts that come our way. After a conference, like you get so full of faith, and then fears of the future start coming at us. Economics of the world, South Africa, our governments, and what's happening in our country, and the governments of the world, I might add. And we've got to, when those thoughts come, and we watch the news, we're going to take that thought captive, because this is God's authoritative word. We've got to take it captive, do spiritual warfare, and submit that thought to Christ, our King. Because it, what matters is how he sees the situation, not how we see it, not how we interpret our kids and our families' safety. That's a big one. It's a big stronghold. The safety and the health of our, of our, our bodies and, our, and again, our families and our children. Our general comfort. Are we going to be okay? Are we going to be safe? Even our marriages. Because something in that is a, we've been called to protect our spouses and our children. I want to say that all these things come and they're good things. They're good values. We're all asked to, to steward relationships well and to look after our finances and to provide and protect and to be wise and to be good stewards. But if that becomes the king, so to speak, we miss out on being a people on a journey following the king. We miss out. And that's probably, I would say, my biggest fear for us, and I think in general for believers in our partnerships across the world and believers across the world. Because that thought, those thoughts are gonna come at us all the time. And at some point, our maturity has to come to the point where I take that captive. Lord, and I submit this to you, I'm not gonna worry about this. I'm gonna do my best, but ultimately, I'm called and my family with me to bring you glory, to be a people that are on a journey that go to the nations and bring kingdom values wherever we go. And kingdom values are that those things all fit in their right place under the king. I was chatting with Louis once it reminded me of a picture. We were talking about like it was almost like a hierarchy type. So, so, how do we fit in when we're juggling life and small kids and work changes and church and leadership and the call on my life? No, sometimes, is it here, or is, like, is, is your wife and family up here, and then we serve the church. I said, no, but we've got the picture all wrong. We can't think hierarchical, is that the word? We've got to think God, our Father, Jesus, the King, the Spirit of God, boom, in the center of our lives. Everything revolves around Him who saved us, and around that are these pie chart pieces, if you like, and there's... Our families, marketplace jobs, children, our health. And at some point we may need to focus on one area because it's lacking right now. And the Lord, who's the center of our life, shows us that right now we need to we need to sort that out. Right now that's lacking a bit. You need you need to care a little bit over here. But He stays on the throne, in the middle, center of our life. He stays the thing, the person that we value most. That's how we live our lives. And that's the value that we take. If we do a mission, we're not just going for a fun time when we travel to the churches and we're going on a mission and um, we're taking values. You know, one thing is that I'm, we can't go into a community and say, hey, this is how we do it in Cape Town in our little church called such and such. Yes, we're going there to open up God's word and say, do you see the values in God's word? Are, we, are you living them here in Sweden? Hold us to account. We want to live them in green points. We want to be those that go after what we see in Scripture. We want our lives to, to, um, to be full of His eternal values. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to spur one another on and look in each other's eyes and go, how do we, how do we bring kingdom values into our communities? How do, we, how do we do that together and effectively? So as I come to, towards the end, Uh, what we take to the nations. Three things that I think are the most key, uh, and you guys can also pray into, please, for Mark in Brazil and Gideon, myself and the Dutch guys and Reeve when we get to Scandinavia, is that the first one is that we're a people that are dependent on the Holy Spirit. That is vital because we can fall into just trusting principles so easily. And principles don't have life in them. Principles will maybe work for a little while and then you'll notice it just dies off because there's of no life. But there's life when we're in the Spirit, okay? And, um, and life flows from what source? The source of the river is who? Is what? Is God. The, the life is Him. The life is found in Him. We have to be connected to the head of the, the church, which is not uh, any man or woman or person. It's Jesus. He is the head. We find His life, Holy Spirit empowers us, and we go into the nations with a value of the Holy Spirit dependence is number one, and without that. So number two, interestingly, I didn't plan it this way, is the Word of God. We have to base everything on the Word of God. So I'm not taking any manuals with me of this is how our church does it, and here's our little I mean, they might ask for some teachings from our array of gifted teachers, but actually we're looking at the same Bible, the same Word of God, the same living, life-giving, powerful Word of God. But as we dig into that, we realize that um, we can't add to it or subtract from it. God's very clear about that. And we value the fact that we must hold all the tensions of God's Word, which is not always easy. Because a lot of times people deviate, or not deviate, but they'll lean one side or the other side too strongly. And actually it's an imbalanced understanding of God's word. So you might find that we might go somewhere and the value of, excuse me, being Holy Spirit dependent is very strong. And then you dig into the value of the word of God and it's strong, but it's, it's all leaning here. So like the room is like tilting like this. It's like all you guys are sitting on this side. So I'll give you an example of that quickly. So here's an example. So, so God is sovereign, He's all knowing and He's fully in control of our whole universe. Always has been, always he is, and He always will be. So you can look at that and go, Well, what role do I have then? I mean, God is God and He's and you might have a really big picture of Him as sovereign Lord. But also, on the other hand, <laughs> we also taught in Scripture that every that we have a choice, we have freedom to choose. And we have a lot of responsibility. So our choices always have an effect. And we have responsibility. But if he's so responsible, if he decides anyway, why do I have a choice? Why do I have a responsibility? But we have to understand that it's, he's that, and he gives us all those things. And God is comfortable with both of those tensions of truth found in Scripture existing at the same time. We're not always that comfortable, if we're honest. We struggle. We we'll lean one way or the other and can't work out, but how does this work? And you get sometimes quite tangled theologically, you know. But the Bible doesn't have an issue with side-by-side teachings that seem opposed. It's called paradox. That's the word, you know. It's not, um, God's not a God of contradictions. He doesn't say one thing and then another. He's, it's, it's, the word is actually paradox. They can, like, can live in the same Space because he is big, oh, really, really big. So, the, so valuing the word is vital, but we've also, um, as, we, as we journey and as we go, the value of understanding the full counsel of God through his word is, is so important. So yes, we need to be those that, uh, that love the word of God, that value the word of God, that will dig into it and fight for it to be taught in its entirety. Again, okay. And then the power of the gospel, last and final point, the power of the gospel. We learn to love that and value the power of the gospel, which is the cross, our repentance, our turning away from our old life, coming to Jesus, the gospel. It's not so much about we heard these amazing teachings at the conference, and now we take this wonderful teaching everywhere you go. The teaching is wonderful, but it should change us. And as we apply it, we're able to be, this is the picture I had uh, yesterday, is that we would value the gospel so much that wherever we go, we would speak about the one who saved us, the one whose kindness led us to repentance, the one who changed the values. I didn't change the values. I didn't say, hey, I'm tired of those friends. They're always up to no good. They influence me badly. I also influence them badly. Finished with you guys, I'm choosing new friends. I couldn't help myself. He just did it. I was so scared of marriage. I asked Taryn, I think, I, 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 because of my background, I was like, I didn't see great marriages in my blood family. And I was like, but this value had been changed by the Lord. And when, I, when we stood up to get married at 26 and 22, just a few years ago, um, for Taryn, I won't tell you what birthdays she's having next year. It's a big one. 30. Um, <laughs> can you believe that we stood there in front of everyone? It must have been about two or three other believers, maybe five in that whole ceremony. Everyone else didn't, doesn't know, didn't know the Lord, mostly family and friends. And I know for them it was like, what's going on here? What had happened was values had been changed by the living God. We now had kingdom values in us, which valued marriage. Before, I didn't value it at all. It was just, it was just something he did. Okay? Okay. And that was through the power of the gospel. And the power of the gospel is this. And this is a value that we want to take wherever we go as a people on a journey. When you're in your home groups, when we're out in the Seapoint neighborhoods, if you're in the nations, when you come with outside of our country, this is what we want to take, the gospel. And it's this, that Christ, Jesus finished his work on the cross. The finished work of Jesus. And I wanted to just pick up on that. That doesn't mean that we just rest in a hammock on a beautiful beach because he's done all the work and we don't have to work. Finished work of the cross is Jesus was finished with his work that the Father gave him. He's the one who can be satisfied now in heaven, on the throne, praying for us. Jesus' work was finished on the cross. Now there's another, there's another another point that I want us to know. The entire work was not done because Jesus said, it's better that I send the Spirit to you. The Spirit had His own work, which was to come into us and lead us to build His church <laughs> and to see many come to salvation. The finished work of the cross is not, hey, it's all done now. And Jesus' work was finished. And then He says, okay, church, it's better that I'll go now. What? Jesus left us saying it was better that He left us? Imagine. Imagine his disciples going, this doesn't make sense, Lord. But to us, it makes sense because we have the Spirit of God. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And it's like, yes, I get it now. Now we're in this age of the Spirit leading us to bring this beautiful message of reconciliation to Corinthians 10, into the world. And we do that working with the Spirit's power, first value of the three. We depend on the Holy Spirit, okay? The cross was the doorway into more. The cross was not a closed doorway. We don't end at the cross. It was the doorway. We need to go through the cross, and walk with the Spirit of God, and continue the work as His church on earth. Okay. And then, what about the Father's work? So the Son's work was the cross. It is finished. Holy Spirit's work is active in us now, but the Father's work is to perfect His children. God the Father, His work. It's to make us perfect like Him. And He does that by giving us the Holy Spirit. He's perfecting us. He's maturing us. He's getting us, our eyes off of ourselves. He's changing our values. He's showing us that I'm a good father. I care about your finances, your health, your safety. I care about your kids. I care more than you do, Neil. So stop worrying about those things. <laughs> I've got them. And faith built. Amen? So let me conclude with this. We're a people on a journey. The question is do we all know what that journey looks like for ourselves? Mm. A couple weeks ago, Ross spoke about taking the land and our inheritance. Herod, the week before. Did you notice that? I didn't give those guys topics to preach. We speak, but we've got such a unity in the spirit that there is a sense that whatever comes out of us, we've got this unified, we're unified in our hearts. I don't have to worry that they're going to bring some doctrine that's off. It's like, thank you, Lord, that Herod and then Ross spoke, and it was absolutely beautiful to see what you brought through, a different gift, a different man. It was so about us together as a people. It's not about our individual destinies. Four weeks ago, hey? three weeks ago. It's not our destiny is not about what this great thing that God has given Zahn Marie to do. Woohoo! The great destiny for Zahn is with you and I. And as a people on a journey together, we come into our destiny. We come into our calling. So we model this when we go into the nations. We teach on this. We speak about this. We drop these values into the hearts of believers elsewhere. Our churches and Greenpoint congregation, we're a letter of God's love. We're a letter showing others the kingdom of our God. We're a letter showing the world what his kingdom is like. So if the Swedes had to come and visit us next time, what would they read if they were amongst us? I Guys, I what do I read when I see those people? I'm asking that question of the Lord. What do I read? Am I reading your kingdom here? Because that's God's heart. And so we we'll ask ourselves the same question. If people would visit, if strangers would come in, what, what would they read about? Would they see the Lord's kingdom over us? Just ask yourself this morning. And would you, maybe we can stand together at this point. That would be really cool. And uh, we just close our eyes together. Just close our eyes together. I want to ask i ask two questions, and I'm going to end swiftly. And the first question is this. I've spoken about a kingdom, and I've spoken about a king, and I've spoken about a people on the journey who know that king, who serve him, who love him, and who give their lives for him. If there is somebody here while our eyes are closed that does not know this King Jesus that I'm talking about, it's, you will know because the values inside of you are the values you've had your your whole life, and they're different to the values of the King. As As I've spoken about some of these values, you realize I don't value all these things. Perhaps I don't know this person. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I do not know that today I stand here knowing fully well that I serve Him, that I love Him, and that He's eternally secured my future. If that is you, I want to ask, it would be a pleasure to pray for you, to pray for you and bring you into that relationship with our King Jesus. It's a loving, beautiful relationship and it's called salvation. And only He can give that to us. Salvation is a a lifetime of living with Him in eternity. Please would you show me your hand if you want to come into that relationship today. If you want to step into a place of being eternally secure that you know the living Christ, the living Savior. I'd love to pray with you. Just give you a moment. If you are here and you don't know him, if you are a visitor, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Otherwise, for the church, for the believers, I want to ask this one question. If you are in his kingdom, if you are a son or a daughter of Christ, are you still loving what Jesus loves? Are you still loving what Jesus loves? Are your values and the things you value the same as what he values? (laughs) Do you love what he loves? Just out of a response, I want to ask that if you want to live for his values, if you want to be a people, listen carefully, if you want to be a people on a journey, growing and maturing and loving the values that he loves, the kingdom values, If you're on this journey together with myself and Taryn and Mark and Alexa and Marius and the team, if that's you, if you felt in your heart like something of this is purpose, this is vision, this is what I value as well. I want to be on this journey, whether I travel now or later or not, you realize that you can still actively be part of this journey into the nations. I want to ask that you would stay standing with me. So I can pray for those that realize I'm on this journey. I want to count. If not, you're welcome to sit down. I know we have visitors as well. Maybe it's the first time you've heard of what we're going for, what we're on about. You're welcome. There's no frowning. But if you stay standing with me, I'm going to take it that every single one of us are are living for the values that matter to Jesus, living for kingdom values, and and prepared to to count the cost, (laughs) whatever that looks like, wherever we go, whatever we sow into, whatever we pray for, whatever whatever God does with us next, that you're in. You're in because you see the values that matter to the King. Amen? Okay. I'm going to pray for us that are standing and together. Yeah, Lord Jesus. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love to worship you. We love to seek you. We love to glorify your name with our lives. With every part of our lives. (laughs) I pray, Lord, that you would take hold of our, the precious things in our lives. That you would take hold of the things that we value most. And you would teach us, you would teach us how to keep those grounded in you. You help us with our families, our loved ones, our jobs, our finances, our trusting of you, our trust issues sometimes. <laughs> and you'd help us, Lord, to hold these so lightly in the palms of our hands. And that, Lord, like that picture of you in the center of a circle with pie charts, and you'd take your rightful place on the throne of our hearts. And you'd come right into the center of our hearts, right into the center of our lives. And that you'd build us, Lord, to depend on you, to depend on your Holy Spirit, to love and value your word. To take the gospel message everywhere we go. And come take your central place in our lives, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.